Hey, I'm excited about God's Word today. Um, if you've got a Bible, turn to Proverbs 3. Back in the Old Testament, Proverbs 3. I started a series last week. I'm going to finish it today, just two weeks. It's been quite a while since I've really talked about giving on a Sunday. And I really felt in my heart, God kind of nudged my heart, and I felt like I needed to teach what I've learned about giving, what my journey on giving has been in my lifetime. It's been a process, and I've learned along the way. I continue to learn. But in this process, whenever you talk about giving, I think in the average church, giving is one of the most misunderstood principles there is in God's Word. We understand the what, or at least we're taught some of the what we need to give. That's what. But we don't always clearly communicate the why behind the what. And as a result, it becomes law in our lives. There's never grace to it. It's just thou shalt, thou shalt, you better do this. You need to do this. And as a young man growing up in church and then entering into the ministry at a young age, I was taught all about the what. You need to give, you need to give, you need to give. But I was never really taught the why. And as a result, it took me a lot of years to settle some things in my heart. It's not that I wasn't willing to give. It's just I struggled with it and at times I resented it. Because there were a lot of times I felt like, you know, God, I need this money a whole lot more than you need this money. And, and as a result of that, my attitude towards giving wasn't always the best. And I talked about it last week. I'm going to finish the message today. But if you were not here last Sunday, please let me encourage you, go online and listen to last week's message. Because if you understand what we taught last week, it makes what I'm going to teach today so very clear and so very simple. It's not that what I'm going to share today isn't clear. It's just it all ties together because it's a two-week series. The message are really, messages are not really standalone messages. You need to hear them together. So please take the time to hear last, last week's message. You know, when you start talking about giving, there's always people around who say, you know, that's all the church talks about is money. Preachers, that's all they do is they just want your money. They want your money. They want your money. They think they're, you know, they're just lying in their pockets with my money, which absolutely is not the case. You show me a preacher making a lot of money, and I'll show you 10,000 who are barely getting by. Okay? So that principle across the land is not true. But there's something more. Did you know if you watch television, for the average hour of watching television, one hour, on average, 17 minutes of that hour is spent doing commercials. You know what commercials is? It's them passing the hat trying to get you to buy products to pay for what they're doing. Radio, it's 14 minutes average per hour. So radio and TV, roughly 25% of an hour is spent on taking up an offering for something. And you don't hear a lot of complaining about that. And yet you go to church and on an average Sunday morning, we spend about two minutes receiving the offering. This morning I spent a little bit more because of the Africa project. But an average Sunday morning, we spend about two minutes at the most talking about giving to God. And I began to realize years ago when I became a pastor and began to deal with people, I realized that giving is a matter of the heart. Giving is a matter of the heart. And for a lot of years, I had problems with my heart because I carried around this dirty little secret. I'm the pastor, I'm the leader of the church, but I struggle having to give to God because I didn't understand why I was supposed to give. I didn't understand why God asked me to give. So last week, 
I talked about two principles on my journey, things I've learned. And there, there's six total. I gave you two last week. I'm going to do the other four quickly today. Number one, last week, I talked about the fact that I give because giving is worship. Giving is an expression of honor. It's an expression of my heart and my love and my appreciation to God. The number one reason why I give is I'm honoring God. Because God is good. God is faithful. He's been good to me. He's God and I trust him above all else. Number one. Number two, the second reason I give is because giving frees my heart from the deceitfulness of wealth and it binds my heart to God. You know, last Sunday in my message, almost the whole message, I talked about Cain and Abel. We went back to the book of Genesis, back to the beginnings, and we talked about the first offerings brought to God. We talked about how God accepted Abel's offering, but he did not accept Cain's offering. We talked about why. We talked about how it affected Cain and what God said to him. I'm not going to go back and reteach it. It's all right there. But what we got into was, as you watch Cain's life, it spiraled downwardly because his heart was not right towards God and towards things. We looked at Scripture, what happens in our hearts when our hearts are wrapped around the wrong things. If you look at the Old Testament, when God gave the Ten Commandments, three of those Ten Commandments speak to heart issues that really revolve around God and around wealth and around other people's possessions. The first commandment is you'll have no other gods before me. I'm God, the only God, you'll have no other gods before me. It's a giving issue. When we give to God, we're breaking the grip of other things on our hearts. Number two, the second commandment is you'll have no idols, no graven images. It's amazing the things that we can purchase and buy, even on payments, that become idols in our lives that move us away from God. And yet giving breaks us free from the grip and the deceitfulness of wealth. Scripture tells us that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And if we don't get money and giving settled in our hearts, and if we don't get God first, it causes us to easily fall into other traps that money and wealth throw our way. And then the last commandment, the 10th ten, the of the Ten Commandments, don't covet what your neighbor has. A lot of us see what other people have, and we try to stay up with them. We want to be like them. But we want what they have instead of let, letting God bless us and give us the things that we need. So giving frees my heart from those things. I want to give you an illustration this morning. I don't think there's any way to do this on camera because it's too small. I'm holding in my hand a quarter. United States currency, it's, it's a quarter, quarter dollar, 25 cents. It's one of those quarters that was minted a few years ago where it has a different state on the back of each quarter. This particular quarter is honoring the state of Connecticut. On the back of this coin, there is a huge tree. I mean, it's a tree that just blossoms out in all directions. It's an amazingly beautiful tree. And evidently, it's one of the symbols or signs of the state of Connecticut. But I want to tell you the story behind this quarter. This is a special quarter. Easter Sunday, after I believe it was second service, as I was heading back to my office, a young man followed me up the steps and said, Sir, can I talk to you for just a minute? And I turned around and here's this young man standing. I said, sure, what can I do for you? And he stopped me and he said, here, I want to give this to you. And he gave me an envelope and he gave me this quarter. And he said, I want you to have this. And I wrote a note on the envelope. I just wanted to give it to you today. Here's what it says. Today, 
I give you a lucky quarter of mine. I give you my lucky quarter. I like the tree on it, but I will sacrifice it for nothing is more lucky than knowing that Jesus risked himself for me. That's the heart of worship right there. That's the heart of worship. He goes on to say this. I know it's not much, but this is my way of saying thank you. I lost my friend from the third grade in December, and God told me that he's all right. He says, I'm only 13, but this is Easter, and I want to tell you all thanks for accepting me here the last three years. Now, I've held on to this since Easter Sunday. I'm going to put it in the offering. Don't anybody worry. I'm not going to steal it, okay? I'm going to put this in the offering, but I wanted to save it to share it with this message today because that's the heart of giving. I give to God out of a heart of love and appreciation for all he is and all he does for me. And you know, that, quarter, that lucky quarter, well, it's just a quarter. That lucky quarter meant just as much to that young man as the part of your paycheck that belongs to God. It meant just as much to him as your paycheck does to you. And as I read that, my heart was touched, and I realized I wanted to share that today to set the table, for this is the heart of worship. I give back to God because he's blessed my life. Interesting thought. We had it on the screen a few minutes ago. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Paul said, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many of you have ever heard that before? You know, if you've ever done research on this verse, we don't find any place in the gospel where it says Jesus said these words. But evidently it was passed down through the apostles and it came to the apostle Paul. And he said that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. From the time I was a kid, I heard that verse. How many of you are still trying to get your head around that one? It is more blessed to give than to receive. But wait a minute. If I give something away, I have less than what I have before. But there's a couple of things here we need to see. First of all, we never show more of God's nature than when we're giving. I mentioned earlier, giving is a matter of the heart. Some of us struggle with giving because it's just not our nature to give. It's our nature to hoard. It's our nature to hold on to things. It's our nature to say, no, I need that to do what I want to do. But when we stop and we release things that God has put in our hands, we are distributing, we are showing, taking on the very nature of God. And Paul said that Jesus said, Jesus said, you're more blessed when you give than when you receive because I'm acting in God's nature. And one of the things you find is when you begin to take on the nature of God and begin to live in the character and the ways of God, you begin to find the provision and the blessings of God. And as you walk this thing out, you know you're giving and God sees that giving. And in different ways, God is going to honor that giving. You know, I think it's important today to realize giving, it's not a characteristic of my fallen nature. It's a characteristic of my God nature that we want to give to help meet needs. But not only that, giving 
helps align me with God's plan and God's provision for my life. Now, let's get into these last four things. I'm going to move pretty quick today. We're going to look at a few passages of Scripture, but let's get started. Number one, I give because giving has always been God's method of provision for his house. Old Testament, New Testament. Giving has always been God's method of provision for his house. I touched on this last week, and I don't have time to spend with it with these instances, but let me move quickly this morning. First of all, in Genesis chapter 14, way back in the days of Abraham, Scripture says that when Abraham had had this harvest after a time of war, when he took in the spoils of war, he gave a tenth of all of it to Melchizedek, the priest, for the priesthood to bless God's house. We also find that when God began to establish the nation of Israel, he did it so that he could have a people that were his own people. And when God began to build the nation of Israel, he established a priesthood within that nation. And when he established the priesthood, he said, all of this nation will inherit. They will go in and possess the land of promise. But when they take the land, the 12 tribes will get all of the land and they will divide it. They can live off of the land, but the priesthood will have no inheritance in the land. They will live off of the tithes and the offerings of the people. That was the purpose of the Old Testament tithe. As a matter of fact, Leviticus 27 says the tithe was holy God said, this is holy, it's marked for my purposes, and it belongs to me. Also, we find in Numbers chapter 18 that the tithe was intended to provide food, income, sustenance to the priesthood, which did not have that physical inheritance in Israel with the rest of the people. It was God's plan that the giving of people would provide for God's spiritual dwelling among the people. We see that established in the Old Testament. In Matthew 23 and in Luke chapter 11, Jesus encouraged the Pharisees to continue to give their tithe to God. 1 Corinthians 16, the Apostle Paul, in building the early church, Paul encouraged believers to give on the first day of the week as God had prospered them. As a matter of fact, Paul went so far in his teachings in Romans 15, 1 Corinthians 9, and 1 Timothy 5, he went so far as to teach that if God raises up spiritual leaders among them and they give spiritual food to the people, that it should be a little thing for the people to give material things to the priesthood. What he was saying was spiritual things are worth much more value. They're of greater value than material things. So if we're receiving spiritual things from the priesthood, why should we not give material things to the priesthood? That's the principle. And here's the interesting thing. As you go from Old Testament to New Testament throughout scriptures, you never see a change. You never see a time come when God establishes any other model, any other way for people to to promote and to bless the priesthood and prosper the priesthood and the church than the attitude and the mindset and the work of giving. You don't see any other model given. Now, I know every now and then I run across somebody who's really spiritual, super spiritual, and they'll tell you, well, you know what? I don't believe any of that stuff. I believe in the New Testament model, book of Acts. You know what they did in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2? The people who got saved, they went and sold all of their houses, all their lands, all their properties, all their goods, and they came and gave it to the church, and they all lived off one common pot. 
How many just soon go back to 10% and start there and leave that alone? See, that's what I thought. See, and what I've learned is if I'm not willing to give my first part to God, I'm certainly not going to be willing to give everything to God. So number one, the first thing I want to talk about today is it's always been God's model to bless his people spiritually by our own giving to keep the priesthood working, to keep the priesthood in order, to keep his house with provision to do the work of the ministry. And I'll talk about that more at the end of my message today. There's no other alternative. Number two, let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. I asked you to turn there. Proverbs 3. I love Proverbs 3 because in Proverbs 3, you find these famous verses that I write all the time. When I'm writing in a graduate's Bible or a graduate's card or somebody's going off to a new phase of life and I'm writing something in their card, I always write Proverbs 3 beginning at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I love that passage of Scripture. Most of you know it and you love that, that Scripture too. Then it goes on to say, do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and trust him. But then you get to verse number 9, and in that same paragraph, here's what it says next. Look at verse number 9 of Proverbs 3. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Give. And it goes on to say, and with the first fruits of all of your increase. What is he saying? He's establishing this attitude that says, with the wealth that I have, I will give and I will honor God. But when I gain new wealth with new provision, I will continue to give and honor God. It becomes a part of my lifestyle. Then look at verse 10. So, everybody say so. All right, some of you over here didn't say it very well. Everybody say so. There we got it. Okay. Somebody, somebody's really doing good over here. I need to get you up here with me. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now think about those two principles. Honor the Lord with your blessings, with your wealth, whatever you have. Honor the Lord and always remember him when there's increase in your life and give to God. If we will do that, it says the Lord will do what? He will see to it that our barns are filled with plenty and our vats overflow with new wine. We'll say, well, what does that mean to me? Well, let's put it in everyday language. Since we don't live in an agriculture society, maybe a handful of you here might, but most of you do not. What he's talking about, your life's work, what you're doing with your life, where you're investing your life, where you are working, where you're employed, where you are striving there. Wherever your job takes you in those areas of employment, God says, my blessing will be upon what you do. And I love the words. Let's put that verse up there one more time. Your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What's he saying? He, God is saying, if you will learn to trust me, I will see to it that you have provision and you have enough to meet your needs and then some left over to be a blessing to others. That's God's promise to us. That's his promise. You can't get away from it. You can't get away from it. Number two, the reason I give, the second reason I give, I give because giving places my trust in God. Put those verses up one more time. I want to show you something. Giving places my trust in God and it asks him 
to become my source. I give to God out of my wealth. I honor him with the first fruit of my increase. And what happens then? When I put my trust in him, he becomes my source to bless my life. He becomes my source to bring his provision into my life. Now, some people will say, well, but this is Old Testament stuff. Give me something from the New Testament. Okay. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching. Matthew chapter 6, he gets down towards the end of the chapter, starts around verse 25. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Because your father knows you need these things. Well, you look at the basic needs of life and everybody's concerned about those things. Food, clothing, shelter, we're concerned about those things. Jesus said, don't worry about those things. And then he makes a couple of statements. He said, look at the birds of the air. God takes care of them. Look at the lilies of the field. They're here for a few days and they're gone. God takes care of them. God provides for them. The things of nature that God has created, if we will trust him, he will provide for us. But then Jesus made this statement, and I hope everyone will open your heart and get this today. Jesus said, don't worry about those things, food, clothing, and shelter. Don't worry about those things because the Gentiles worry about those things. Now stay with me. Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience. But what he was saying was people who are not in covenant with God are always going to be worrying about that stuff because they're on their own to figure it out on their own. But Jesus said, don't worry about it. Let them worry about that. You, here's Jesus' instructions, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? The food, the clothing, the shelter. All these things will be added to you. That's the promise of Jesus. It's the same thing that's being said in, in Proverbs chapter 3 in the words of Jesus. A different day, a different time. It's the same message. Trust God with the first. Remember, Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience there. When he says first, they know what comes first. God comes first. My worship comes first. My first fruits come first. I put God first in every area of my life. And then all of these things God takes care of. While I'm here, can I just share two other things real fast? Thank you. I appreciate the time. <laughs> Jesus also said, seek first what? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means the government of God. The ways of God that rule his kingdom. Seek first God's ways and God's government. Seek first God's government. What he's saying is, let God be your source. Put him first in your life. Not just with your giving, then wrap your heart around it and learn to trust God to be who he said he would be. Trust God with all of your heart and trust his government to provide for you. Now, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be smart. I'm not trying to be political. Just hear me, okay? I, I, I know how to do math. Does anybody know how to do math? Anybody know how to do math? Is that all? <laughs> how many got a calculator on your phone? Okay, that's, that's close enough. Here's the thing. There are way too many people in our land and even in churches today who are believing the government's going to take care of them the rest of their lives. Do the math. One of these days, the money is going to run out. Oh, I know we can always print more, but then it's not worth anything. 
Man, you're getting into politics. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, friends. They're already telling us Social Security is going to be broken in a few years. We already know that half the people in America get government assistance somewhere. And I'm not putting the government down. I, I think that's great. But hear me out for a minute here. When the money runs out, who are you going to trust then? See, what Jesus was saying was, seek first the government of God, not the government of America. Don't expect men to take care of you. Put God first, honor him first, and he will bless everything you put your hand to. And God will become your source and become your provision in this life. Well, I can see it's way too close to election time for you all to understand what I'm getting into here. Too many walls up in this room. Think about it today. God wants to be your source. God wants to be your source. God says, I will take care of you. So put me first. Jesus said, seek first the government, the kingdom of God, and then his righteousness, his character. Learn the ways and the nature of God and start walking in that. If we will do that, all the things we need in life, God is going to provide for us. Now, that doesn't mean you go quit your job when you get saved and start following Jesus and he's got to take care of you. It's not what it's talking about. It doesn't mean get on Jesus' welfare roll. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about us doing our part, us working our job, and less, uh, letting God bless the labor and the work of our hands. That's what it's talking about. But God said, I will bless you when you do those things. So I give because giving places my trust in God and it asks him to become my source. Number three, look at Malachi chapter three. This is probably the most well-known verse in the Bible about giving, Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to put it in perspective and show you Old Testament and New Testament and help you understand some things here. So look at Malachi chapter 3, verse number 8. Will a man rob God? I can't imagine anybody here foolish enough to grab a gun and put it in God's ribs and say, let me have your money. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In verse 9, he says, you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now stop here a moment. As a young man, I would hear this preached all the time. As a young preacher, I began to study this and look at this passage of Scripture. And I always began to wrestle with that part about, well, people would rob from God. Well, that would be foolish to try to rob something from God. But as I begin to study, I begin to realize when I refuse to give, I'm robbing God's house of some of the provision he wants there. I'm robbing different parts of the world of provision that we're going to be sending there to get the gospel in other parts of the world. When I'm not giving to God, I'm robbing God, hear me, most importantly, I'm robbing God of the opportunity and the privilege of blessing my life. Did you know God wants to bless your life? Some of you don't know that maybe. God wants to bless you. He's not going to curse you. He wants to bless you. Look at the next verse. Verse number 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Remember earlier, what was the purpose of the tithe? To put food in the house of God, provision in the house of God. That there may be food in my house and try me now in this. God said, test me. Put me to the test, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing 
that there will not be room enough to receive it. You know what God said? God said, I want to bless you. Put me first. Put your trust in me. Make me first. The, the, the third reason why I give to God is because God has promised to bless those who give. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven over your life and what you're working at, what you're struggling with, what you're slaving with, what you're pouring your life into, I'll see to it that it is blessed and there will be more than enough. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven and I'll pour out so much that your needs are covered and then there's excess that you might be able to minister to other people as well. That's the promise of God. Now, I know there's always... Somebody saying, eh, you, you preachers talk about money and this whole faith thing and this whole giving is just a money scheme. Can I tell you something? I am never going to tell you if you put $100 in this offering or $1,000, I'm never going to tell you. It's like a, you know, pulling the, the handle out at Pachanga. I'm not telling you that. Some of you think, well, I'll put in $1,000 and maybe I'll hit the jackpot this time. If not, I'm not going to try it anymore. That's not what God's talking about. And the reason a lot of us struggle with wealth and the reason a lot of us struggle with the attitude of giving is because we got this thing in our mind that we want to get wealthy so we don't have to trust God anymore. And yet God's designed it that I would need to learn to trust him every day of my life. Let me make you a promise. You put $100 in the offering today, God's probably not going to make you a multimillionaire where you can be lazy, lazy the rest of your life. Probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. I'm not preaching you some crazy, goofy gospel. It's way out there in left field. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. God said, if you will put me first with the tithes and the offerings, I will open the windows of heaven and I will bless your life and you'll have everything you need and more. That's the promise of God. That's the promise of God. Well, who do you think you are to make that promise? I didn't make the promise. God made the promise. I'm just, don't get upset at me. Talk to him about it, okay? It's his promise. I'm just the messenger today. God wants to bless your life. But our hearts have got to be shifted around him. Then he goes on to say this. I love this. Verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I grew up in an atmosphere that when it came to giving, it was very much law. You better give, you better give, you better give. If you don't, God's going to get you. He's going to make your car break down. Your washer and dryer are going to quit operating next week. You better, you're going to have a car wreck. You better watch out. We heard all this law and all this stuff, and it's not scriptural. What God said is there's an enemy out there who's trying to devour what you have. But God said if we will give to him, he will rebuke the devourer and tie his hands and push him out of the way so that what we're doing with our daily life will not be interrupted. Let me tell you something. God is not going to cause your car to stop running, but he might keep it running for a few extra months. God is not going to cause your washer and dryer to break down, but he might keep them operating for a while until you have money to buy something new. God wants to rebuke the devourer for your sake and bless your life if we just put him first. Man, I struggled with this for years. Oh, I got to give, I got to give. No, I don't got to give. I get to give because God blesses me when I put him first in my life. 
Now look at 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. And of course, somebody says, yeah, but that's Old Testament stuff. I don't believe in that Old Testament stuff. Okay, let me take you to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9. I'm coming down towards the end of my message, but I want to give you something here. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul starts talking about receiving a special offering for some people who are in need. And he starts talking about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich for our sakes, he became poor that we might partake of his riches and his wealth. Literally what it says. And he talks about giving becoming a grace in our lives. He said, while you're learning these other graces, while God is changing your life and your attitude about these other areas, he said, let God work on you and your attitude about giving as well. Learn the grace of giving. And then in chapter 9, in the follow-up to this, go down to verse number 6. Paul's talking about giving, and here's what he says, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows or gives bountifully will also reap bountifully. Now hold that there just a second. Sowing is giving. Reaping is receiving the bounty from the seeds you planted. Sowing and reaping. Everybody understands that. When you plant a kernel of corn, you get a stalk of corn. It gives you several ears of corn with several kernels on the ear. So the harvest is much greater than what you planted. But Paul says, he who sows a few seed gets a few stalks of corn. He who sows a lot of seed gets many stalks of corn. Paul is talking about the attitude of our heart. What is my attitude of my heart? I only want to give God what I have to, and I don't really want to do this, but I do it because I have to, and I hope he's happy with this. No, Paul says we need to have an attitude that says, how much can I give to God? What can I give to God? Look at the verse next, next verse, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Have you ever noticed how we receive offerings here? We tell you you can give online. You can give different ways. You can set up giving through your bank account. Different ways you can do it. You can give right here in person. You can put it in an envelope. You can give cash check. However you want to put your credit card or debit card number. We give you all these ways to give. We simply say, here's an opportunity to give. Here's what we're doing with the money of the people. And then we say, God bless you for your giving. And we leave it at that. Why? Because we want you to purpose in your heart what God would have you to do. No one will be able to say, well, I heard this sermon on giving, and then they turn around and try to get money out of us. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to manipulate anybody because God's kingdom is not built upon manipulation. It's built on God massaging people's hearts and people responding to God in faith. That's how God builds his kingdom. But what does it say? Let each one give as he decides and purposes in his own heart. What did I tell you at the start of this series? Giving is an attitude of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Everyone purpose in his, purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. God wants us to give and be happy about our giving. But he reminded us, you give a little, you can expect a little harvest. You give a lot, you expect more harvest. My giving is an expression of my faith towards God. And it goes on to say in verse 8, and I want you to read this verse with me. It's almost as if it's a New Testament mirror of what was said in Malachi 3. Verse 8. And God is able... 
to make all grace abound towards you. How many of you have received of the grace of God? Let me see your hands. You've tasted the grace of God. How many of you would like to have all of God's grace? Here's what he said. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That word abound means to be superabundant, supernaturally, as only he can do. God is able to make all grace superabound towards you that you always, everybody say always, you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. It says God is able to bring us to a place in our walk with him where God is continually blessing us and we understand his blessing is there that we might be a blessing to other people. And when a need arises, I can help meet someone's need. Is everybody hearing me? I don't give to be blessed. I give because I am blessed. I give because I'm blessed. I give because I'm blessed. And yet the more we give, the more God blesses us. Why? It's the promise of his word. It's not my promise. It's his promise. The next verse quotes Psalms 112. It says, as it is written, he is dispersed abroad. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Our giving becomes righteousness in the sight of God. Then it goes to verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now I want to leave that verse on the screen for just a moment. I'm almost finished. I'm getting down to the end of my message. Two things in this verse that are extremely important. This is where... For many years, I didn't get it. I misunderstood. It was never taught to me. God taught me this. In my own time of study, God taught this to me. It says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. There's two things he mentions here. Number one, seed to the sower. Number two, bread for food. One of the mistakes I made as a young man, as a young father, raising a family, pastoring, one of the problems I struggled with was the attitude of understanding when I got a paycheck, what was contained there. Two things. Seed to be sown, something to give, and bread for my food. I looked at my paycheck as bread for my food, money to do what I wanted to do with. And along the way, if there's enough at the end of the month, I'll give something to God. And I had it backwards. I can remember when God adjusted my heart and changed everything in my life. And this scripture had a big part of it. Every time I get a paycheck, I realize the first thing I have is seed to sow. I mentioned this last week. Please hear me. I'm not, I'm not glorifying me, but I'm telling you what God has developed in my heart in giving. When I get a paycheck, the first thing I do before I start paying bills, before I spend that money I just got, is I give my tithe to God and I give him an offering right off the top. And I do it joyfully because God has blessed my life. But I give him seed. Give him something to work with to bring more harvest into my life. When Zach was in high school, I, 
a couple of years there, I helped coach his baseball team. Oh, and by the way, you all missed it first service. One of my old high school coaches was here today. And I introduced him, and he was telling everybody what a great athlete I was. And, and all, how, if they'd had a three-point line back in the day, I'd have been shooting them like crazy. And they might not have gone in, but I would have been shooting them like crazy. He didn't really talk about what a great athlete I was. He didn't do that. But he was here first service, and we got to share some great stories. You say, well, why does that matter? When Zach was in high school, I helped coach his baseball team, worked with the pitchers. And part of what I did was I sat over in the opening of the dugout, and the catcher would look at me, and I would give signs to the catcher what pitches to call. And the whole game, I'd sit there eating sunflower seeds. Get a big bag of sunflower seeds, chew on them, spit out the holes, eat the seeds. The whole game, sitting there chewing on those sunflower seeds. At the end of the game, I was thirsty, I had chapped lips, <laughs> and I was hungry. Do you know how many sunflower seeds it takes to make a meal and to fill you up? I couldn't wait to get to the nearest drive-in to get a hamburger or something. I'd be starving to death. And one day, I, 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 re, I get to thinking about that, and, I, and God just kind of spoke to me and said, you know what? That's what you're doing with your money sometimes. You're eating your seed. You're not just eating your bread. You're eating your seed. And then you wonder why things aren't going the way they need to go. It's because you're not trusting me to bless you. I know, I know, I know, I know. Right now, you cannot talk me out of this. It's become a part of my life's journey. I know it from God's word. I know it in my heart. When I receive income, the first thing that happens is I give God tithe. I give him offering because I want seed in the ground so that God can continue to bless my life. Simple. It's simple. Now, let's, let's read on. Let's go back to where we were. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food... Supply and multiply what? The seed. He doesn't multiply your bread. He multiplies the seed you sow. That you have sown and in, he will increase the fruits of your righteousness. Look at the next verse, verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. I don't give to be blessed. I give because I'm blessed. And God just keeps blessing me. Number four, the last thing. I give because my giving blesses others. Yeah, I mentioned earlier, we're going to build a church in Kenya, East Africa. I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to give seed toward that. I want you to hear something. I've been to East Africa. I've been to Kenya. I've been to Uganda. I've been to Rwanda, the Congo. I've been to that part of the world three different, three different occasions, three trips. I was involved there years ago in discipleship training. And I know what it is to go into one of those little villages where a church has been built and it has its own property and its own building and it has its own sound system and it has its own electricity source. I've been in those places, and I've watched on Sunday morning how everybody from around that village comes floating into that church, kids and all, dancing and singing and praising God. I know what a church building will do in a community like that, and I want to give so that we as a church can build churches like that all over the world because I know the difference it makes. Our giving makes a difference. 
Our church is a giving church. We, we're involved with missionaries all over the world. We've got a team going to build this church in East Africa. We've got a team going to Belize the end of this month. Let, let me tell you a great story. There's a couple in our church. She's an educator. They've been in Belize the last two or three years doing trips down there. The other day they got a call from a school district because education is really on her heart. One of our local school districts is giving her literally thousands and thousands of school books to take to Belize to educate children in the villages. And I don't know how we're going to do it yet, but we're going to find a way to help raise the money to get those books shipped down there and then get them in the hands of the teachers and train those teachers to teach those children so they can have a future. My giving makes a difference in the world. This morning, after first service, with the rain and all, there's a line of people lined up outside to get food for their families. On an average Sunday, we will feed about 250 to 300 people average per week. That's because of your giving. That's because of your giving. We're doing outreaches around the community. We're doing things here. We're doing things around the world. None of this would happen if it wasn't for people giving to God. Our giving is making a difference in our world. I know what it is. Ann knows what it is. We've gone the last two, three years to go into northeast India, up at the border of Nepal. We're going to parts of the world where they don't even know half of what we know about God and his word. To go in there and teach and train leaders and then see the churches grow right in the opposition with, with all the opposition, the struggle that comes from the government, that comes from the other churches, that are other religions that are there. Right in the middle of it all, we're seeing the church of God flourish. It's because people are giving we're making a difference in our world. And friends, I tell you, I've been doing this too long. I've been walking with God too long. God will honor his word. He honors his word. And my prayer for you is that you would open your heart, take these principles and let God begin to work in your life. You might say, well, you know, with where I am right now, I don't know how I can get there. And I know my time is gone. Give me two minutes and I'll be finished, okay? It's that important today. People say, you know, I, I, I don't know how I can, I can't carve out 10%. I, I can't give that much right now. And as a result, we get under pressure and we feel bad and we, and we start carrying this burden and we begin to feel like losers. And so we just back away and say, I can't do this. Let me tell you what to do. I know when people come to God to start learning this, you've not set aside 10% of your budget. I know it. We're overextended as, as a country already. But here's the point. Look at what you've got and start regularly giving to God. Asking God to bless it. I have learned that God is so reasonable. Start giving something to God. Watch God bless it and grow it. When blessing comes into your life, don't take it as food, take it as seed. And start growing your giving. As God blesses your life, as time goes by, start adjusting your lifestyle to make God first in your life. Let him work. And over a period of time, I promise you. You say, well, how can you promise me? Because God made the promise and he can't lie about anything. I promise you, if you'll learn to trust God and you will follow the principles of God's word, let God turn your heart and begin to turn that into action. Over a period of time, God will begin to bless your life. And the first thing you know, you will have enough and more than enough to give God what he's asked. And God will begin to bless your life on every hand. God will do it. Because it's his grace that does it. God wants us to give because he gives. In closing today, maybe you're here today and maybe you listen to this message and 
maybe you've listened to it that way. You know, and I, I kind of understand, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm not walking with God. I'm not into this, so it's just not my thing. I want to pray for everyone in the house in just a minute. Before we finish, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never committed your life to God. Maybe, maybe you've never opened your heart and given God an opportunity. Maybe you've never invited Him into your life. But maybe as you've sat here today and you've listened to me share God's Word, maybe something's knocking on the door of your heart and you're realizing there's something real about this. The truth of the matter is, God loves you so much. He loves us so much. He put His own Son on a cross to pay for our sins so that we could become His children. And then He invites us to come and put all of our past on that cross and then receive everything that's right about Him, all of His blessing into our lives. That's God's invitation to you today. Maybe you're here and maybe you sense God knocking on the door of your heart. I want to help you open that door. And the way you do it is with words. God, I need you. Come into my life. It's a prayer, but it's an honest, simple prayer. And I'm going to ask everybody in the house to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody else is moving unless you absolutely have to. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. And I want to lead you in a prayer that will help you just open your heart to God. There's nothing magic about my words. Just wrap your heart and your faith around these words and let them become your prayer. Everybody pray this prayer right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins and was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. His death is full payment for my sins. And I want to live His life. So God, be my Lord. I give my life back to You. Teach me Your ways. And I will learn to walk with You all the days of, your, of my life throughout eternity. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask you to bless your people today. Take your word and shape our hearts to honor you and to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer and asked Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life, it's the most important decision you ever make in life. And I want to help you follow up on it. First of all, can we just put our hands together and welcome people into God's family today? God bless you.